and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. As we always do, we're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then when we <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about Boston politics, Boston politics gone wild. That, of course, has been a theme uh, that I have been uh, exploring, unpacking, discussing at length for a few weeks now. And it's, <laughs> I feel like as much as I've been talking about it, I've only just scratched the surface. I mean, things are just so, so bad right now in Boston. And I, there's a part of me that has little empathy for a lot of people because none of this had to happen. Boston was just given away. And it's been given away because people don't vote. I I just, I don't get it. I don't get how people cannot vote. I really, really, really don't. Um... And I'm going to actually qualify that statement. I don't get how people can really complain and not vote. I guess that's where I'm at. Because you have people who aren't doing anything. They're not giving back to the community. They're not in the community. And they can't vote. And they complain. So, obviously, voting is important, but it's also important to be in the community. And in some ways, in some instances, that's almost as important. Um, But voting uh, uh, certainly is important. And um, I'm not feeling very charitable toward a number of people right now because... Again, this didn't have to, this didn't have to happen because one side of the coin is not voting at all and I want to emphasize the word and and absence in the community and complaining after the fact. The flip side of that is people who vote uninformed. So my thing is if you're going to actually make the effort to vote then find out about the candidates. Is it really that difficult? Is it really that difficult to find out about the platforms of the different candidates? And and if a candidate doesn't have a platform, which is something that is happening with increasing regularity, then you are you already know that that is someone you can't vote for. Because if a person stands up to run for an office and doesn't have a platform, what is that person going to then be expected to do should that person actually get elected? You have to have a platform because a platform suggests that there has been some thought put into actually serving and that there is a certain level of knowledge about the various issues that 
are going to have to be dealt with in the capacity of a public servant in that particular office. So I just, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm not feeling too charitable toward a number of people. We're going to talk about the consequences of not voting and not being in community and then complaining after the fact. That's what we're going to talk about today. The other idea that I want to talk about, and this has been increasingly a theme that I have been really just going into talking about at length, this idea of being able to think critically, because increasingly, like, mob rule, political correctness, all these different factors that contribute to people not being able to think for themselves or being afraid to do so, we're going to talk about that too, because it has yielded a world of hurt on this city. And we're going to talk about a few figures. Just like last week, I talked about some people. I'm going to talk about some more people. And just so we're clear, it's not to gratuitously disparage people. I'm not into that. If I discuss the activities of someone, if I put a particular person, put the spotlight on that on a particular person or particular people, it's because I really have good cause. And the issues, the issue or issues that I have, they've already been brought to the attention of the person or people with whom I am just, you know, with whom I'm dismayed, with whom I'm not happy. So these, these are going to be the ideas that we're going to be exploring in today's show. Um, but let's, like I said, <laughs> let's go to that disclaimer. Then we're going to come back and we're going to just jump right on in to tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and we are going to talk about what is going wrong (laughs) uh, in Boston. And it's, you know, where, where do I begin? I think that Boston... And, and I've, I've said this before, I think Boston was shielded from a lot of what plagues, what has plagued other 
municipalities around the country, um, it's been shielded from these different societal ills by the emphasis on education, the emphasis on a respect for history and tradition, and a regard for legacy. So we don't have that anymore. We don't. So I have to I have to get in a word about this. You know, we talk about earning something and the importance of it, a meritocracy. Yet when you have people who have earned something and it's something that is widely perceive, seen, perceived as uh, prestigious or something that not everyone necessarily has the capabilities uh, to achieve, to do, there's resentment. And I'm, and I'm tired of it. I'm so, so, so tired of it because there are so many people out there who work so hard. And I'm going to put myself in that category. I always believe that what I couldn't figure out from any smarts that I may have, I could get through it. I could achieve what I wanted through hard work. But we have people today who are resentful, right? So they talk about how this one has privilege. How th that one over there has a silver, I was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. So let's, let's, uh, let's look at it. Uh, let's look at, let's look at some of the remarks that have been made. Um, let's take Rashid Walters. So Rashid Walters, for a time, wrote for the Boston Herald. And I have to say that I'm really tired of this trend. It's just a trend that won't give out. It's just got legs for days where you have a person of color on the political right who just dishes out red meat. And it's like, what? I, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I, I do. I, let me, be, let me, let me rephrase that. I do I hit the rewind button. I do understand it, but I just think it's ho horribly pathetic. So for I don't know how long the political left claimed this moral high ground. The political left would repeatedly beat the political right over its head over its lack of diversity, its supposed, its alleged lack of diversity. And then at a certain point, and I would say really it kind of, this trend really kind of took off with the emergence of Barack Obama, with Obama's presidential bid. This trend of people of color saying things that people on the right, who happen to be white, are also saying, and, and people are just like, oh my God, oh my God, this person is so on point. So on point. why is that person on point? Well, first of all, the person who, you know, the person who happens to be white 
who's saying that the person who happens to be of color, you know, that per, that individual, the latter individual is on point. It's because, well, first and foremost, when people hear other people saying what they think, oh, my gosh, oh, that person's brilliant. Oh, that person's a genius. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do these days, regardless of color, regardless of where someone might fall in the political spectrum. But because for so long, the political right allowed itself to be browbeaten and belittled and disparaged for its lack of diversity, for its narrow-mindedness. This idea that, oh, well, we have people of color on our side, too. And, and, and so you have people who have nothing else to bring to the table, but they just happen to be born a certain color, and you have certain people who run with it. And I got to tell you, like in this day and age, you know, you have a lot of people who don't want to work for anything, right? It's talking about that idea of meritocracy. They don't want to work for anything. They want everything handed to them. They want to take the shortcuts. They want to cut corners. And so you got all kinds of people working a grift. This is just one of them. And there, there are many others. This is by no means the only grift. But this, this idea of chasing clout, of pursuing the limelight, of cashing in on being a person of color who is on the political right, I find it bogus. There are so many people that come in all shapes and sizes from all walks of life on the political right. And it's always been that way. But unfortunately, you had entirely too many people on the political right. There's that people on the political left and a small portion, I might add, of people on the political left dictate to them who and what they are and what their beliefs are. So today we still have people who happen to be of color and they loudly proclaim that they're on the political right and they're met with thunderous applause, they're giddily feted, and it's tired. It's tired. It is old. It is so old that <laughs> it's older than Socrates, okay? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a child of the 80s, so... When we were growing up, everything was like your mama's, you know, like your mama. Your mama's so old that in her high school yearbook, Socrates was pictured next to her. So we do the dozens and it's always like your mama and this and that. You know, so it stays with me. I'm in my 50s, but I'm a child. I'll always be the child of the 80s. So like I just bring that with me uh, regardless of how old I am. Um, but I mean, the, po <laughs> the 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 point is, it's just it, it it is old, right? It's it's tired, it's worn out, it's played out. Again, there there have always been people of color on the political right, from all people from all walks of life, people with a varying, you know, who who adhere to the political right to varying degrees. Uh, and I just, I, I don't know why that's such a hard concept to, to accept, but whatever, to the point of people who try to cash in 
to who chase clout. Step forward, Rashid Walters. So as I started to say, he wrote for the Herald for a time. And what he's concerning himself now with is, well, we're we're gonna defend Boston. You know, he he tweeted something to the effect that in other cities, and he named a couple of, you know, major um metropolises, you know, he talked about how they had fallen. But he juxtaposed that with Boston saying, well, Boston and Boston, we're going to fight. You know, we're not going to let Boston fall to, to the, the radical left, you know, something along those lines. And I had a laugh because this cat, <laughs> he has not done a blessed thing, right? So that that's another thing, you know, people want to take shortcuts, I said. So Rashid is also very... Um, his behavior, his mindset is very paradigmatic of that kind of philosophy where people just, they don't have time to actually earn anything. You know, they just, they, you know, they gotta, they gotta get to where they're going to be. You know, they gotta get to, you know, the top, they, you know, they gotta get to a certain point where they can be celebrated and applauded. So this is someone who hasn't done anything, really. And it's it's really quite something. So, you know, to kind of catch up, what he's done is he participated. He was part of the lawsuit against the city for um, the redistricting. So that was a whole fiasco. That was a whole mess. And so he was part of that lawsuit. I don't know why. I mean, this is someone who he would need a GPS, a good map, a ball of string <laughs> to get around the city. He's a kid from Dorchester who doesn't even know all of Dorchester. Um, but he wanted to jump in, be a part of this lawsuit because it gets some clout. It's because it gets him next to this person or that person. And, and the idea is to kind of set himself up for what he thinks is the next step, which could be running for office or uh, landing himself a plum job or both, right? So he did that. And more recently, he, along with um, three other people, objected to Kendra Lara, uh, her, her signatures, uh, no, so Kendra Lara, of course, is the current District 6 counselor on the Boston City Council. And again, what does Rashid know about West Roxbury? I mean, he, along with all these other people, are calling it Westie. Westie, West, I mean, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Where were all these people, including Rashid, when West Roxbury was getting its backside kick, kicked and the whole exam debacle when there were vigorous debates about the emissions policy policies for the exam schools. Where was Rashid then? Where were all these people now who think that they can convey how much they know West Roxbury 
to the they can show uh, convey to the extent that they know West Roxbury by calling it Westy. All these people who are so darn concerned with Kendra Lara and the deleterious effect that her behavior, both personal and professional, is going to have on the residents of that district. Where were all these people when Kendra first ran? Where were they? I mean, I I don't want to hear it. And, you know, people think that I say things to be mean or I say things to be harsh or maybe even rude. And it's none of that. I'm just candid. And in a day and age where being frank is particularly out of favor and it's... particularly, especially frowned upon, someone like myself comes across, quite frankly, as a schmuck. Now, if people want to think I'm a schmuck, that's fine. If people want to disagree with everything I said about Rashid and so many others, that Rashid Walters, that's fine too. I come on and I present my opinion I give reasons, a lot of reasons, and I explain at length why I think something. But at the end of the day, I invite people to come to their own conclusions or at least ask questions. That's what I hope. I do whatever I can in my small corner to try to contribute to the marketplace of ideas. And ultimately, people can take it or leave it. But no, I'm not mean. I don't say things to be mean. I don't derive any pleasure from being mean. And there's so many things that I could say that I don't say. There are people that I could embarrass, but I won't. Mary Tamer... It was between, uh, uh, for the November general election, the District 6 race, city council race, in 2021, that was between, it came down to Kendra Hicks, and then after she got sworn in, she went by, started going by Kendra Lara. It's between Kendra Lara and Mary Tamer. I remember reaching out to somebody, and I asked this individual, and I'm not even going to say she or he because I don't want people to be able to guess it, have any kind of even like an inkling of an idea of who this person is because I don't want to embarrass this person. I don't want to put this person to shame, humiliate this person. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I am going to relate this story because... It's a reason for my frustration and even anger about the current situation in District 6. I reached out to this individual to see if this person would phone bank for Mary Tamer. And I was met with, well, uh, I can't today, but, you know, maybe I'll do it on another day. Never heard from the person. 
And then as you, dear listeners, you, as you might have, you know, figured out even before, long before <laughs> I'm going to get there, this person is now up in arms about Kendra Lara. Cannot stand Kendra Lara. Thinks Kendra Lara is horrible for the district. But please note that this person did like Mary Tamer, but she couldn't be bothered to help her. And I don't get that. I don't. I don't understand. If you like someone and you think someone is good, if you believe that someone can do the job, you try to help that person. I went out to West Roxbury I spent part of my childhood there. I love West Roxbury. West Roxbury will always have a special place in my heart. So I am now living in a part of Boston, like not even close to West Roxbury. And you know, I got on public transportation if it took me an hour, hour and a half, did two, well, generally didn't take me an hour, but like an hour and a half, two hours, I did it. I went out to West Roxbury and I helped Mary Tamer. And my only regret is that I couldn't help her more because Mary was a great candidate. I probably embarrassed myself on more than one occasion because I would say, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're so chic. You know, like I would always like look at what Mary is wearing and, you know, she just has this lovely, graceful presentation and I'm not superficial. I mean, you know, a person has to have the goods. Mary, trust me, Mary had the goods and she would have been a wonderful representative, a wonderful face and a wonderful public servant for not only West Roxbury, but Jamaica Plain in the back of the hill, like a, a part of Mission Hill. Mary is, not was, I mean, she is, I mean, nothing's changed. She's, she's just, she's lovely. And just very decent. And I was very, very sorry to see Matt O'Malley go. I like Matt O'Malley very, very much. He has a beautiful family. He and his wife are wonderful, um, lovely wife, great public servants. His, you know, they give back to the community. They're, I mean, they're still doing it. He's still doing it. Um, I was very sorry to see him go, but I thought that Mary could continue in the vein in which Matt O'Malley worked, she she could there would be there would be some some continuity. There would be good constituent services, and you'd have someone who really was embedded in the community. I mean, Mary's from West Roxbury. She's from District Six, but I know she was she was prepared to fight and advocate just as hard for the other parts of the district. But people couldn't come out for her. They couldn't. Of course you had some people who did, but if all the people 
who are complaining. Now, it's not even complaining. It's ranting about Kendra Lara. If they could have, you know, kicked $10 toward Mary Tama, like, you know, you know, popped open their checkbook, 10 bucks, 5 bucks. Um, if they could gone out to West Roxbury, JP, knocked on doors, stood outside with a sign, anything, shared her 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 posts on social media i mean it's something all the energy that i see now and if i sound angry it's because i am mary tamer is awesome and she would have been great on the city council That's the problem with the political right. And I've said this before. They want to go viral. They want to get reshares, retweets, likes. They want their echo chamber to be bigger than the echo chamber of those 10 other people on the political right. You know what? That doesn't win elections. It doesn't. Kendra had people behind her that got out and voted, and they brought a friend. And now people want to react? You have Jeff Jacoby. Uh, I guess he still writes for the Boston Globe. And I, I have very little use for Jeff Jacoby because on so many important points— he just, he weighs in when it's convenient, when a subject is hot. And that's not really the job of anyone who writes. I don't care if you're a reporter, more opinion columnist, if you write... There should be an element of here. You might not know about this, or you might not know the extent to which this is an issue, or to which this exists, or to which this is plaguing a community, or or, or the extent to which people are grappling with with this. But here it is. There should be some kind of revelatory aspect to the writing. When you write, you don't body surf public opinion. You don't popular opinion. I mean, there's nothing wrong with paying attention to public opinion. And there's nothing wrong with agreeing even with public opinion slash uh, popular opinion, although it's not always the same thing, right? Well, kind of, sort of. I mean, you could maybe argue that there are some distinctions to be made in some circumstance, some circumstances, but I guess that's (laughs) a debate for another time. But the point is, is that there should be, as I said, some uh, revelatory aspect There should be something that's revealed. There should be some perspective that's unique, that's singular, and that makes people think. It's not about 
compiling, conflating the, you know, the different popular currents of thought that swirl around a particular issue. You have to have some ideas of your own. And you don't want to just jump on something when it's hot. That's what Jeff Jacoby's doing. Since when does he care about District 6 and West Roxbury? I mean, really. But, you know, like so many other people, he's now weighing in. So you have, you have people in the community who are known who couldn't help Mary. You have random people who... Never gave West Roxbury two two thoughts, but now everything's Westy this, Westy that, and, and, and they have so much to say about Kendra Lara. It's just, this speaks to what I was talking about at the very top of the show, people not being able to vote. And that's so frustrating because these same people who are not voting are also not involved with community. They're not involved. There are different ways to be civically engaged. So I personally think that voting is one of the more, probably for me, for me, it's the most important. But you also have to be present in the community. I mean, you can't just vote and then you don't show up anywhere. You got to be in the community. You got to know what the issues are. You got to know who the players are, whether you like them or not. You got to know the direction in which your community is going. You have to know the direction in which your community needs to go. And so I just, I don't want to participate in this feeding frenzy around the subject of Kendra Lara. I don't. Because I did my part. I couldn't vote for Mary, but I try to help in other ways. So I don't want to participate in this 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 frenzy, this mob fury, because I did what I needed to do. These people didn't. Most of these people who are ranting and raving right now, they did not. At all. And that is so gosh darn frustrating. And it even angers me. You have other instances where, you know, people didn't vote. Michelle Wu. I don't want to, I don't want to participate in the seemingly daily bashing sessions of Michelle Wu. I have literally been... (laughs) I have been critical of Michelle Wu for the last decade. And Michelle Wu knows this. Michelle Wu knows who I am. And that's not such a big deal. It's not because... If if you are someone who's active in the community, if you are someone who attends meetings, I mean, people just know who you are. Not everybody, but, you know, you have a number of people who say, oh, okay, she looks familiar. 
I've seen her at a few uh, meetings or, oh, yeah, I think I've heard her name. That's how it goes. And, I, you know, I've actually spoken with Michelle, but again, that's not such a big deal either because I go to city council meetings and I have for years, not just now. I mean, I've been doing it for years. I've testified in front of the Boston City Council. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, my engagement didn't start yesterday. So I, I know who Michelle is and I've been critical of her. But I've never crossed any lines as critical of Michelle as I have been. And there have been times when I've actually even been kind of angry with some of the things that she has said and done. I still have not crossed any lines because I don't think it helps me in disrespecting the person. And I'm certainly not going to disparage the office that any public servant holds or politician holds. Um, and I don't and I don't want to talk about Michelle's family. I mean, obviously her husband, he's he's very supportive of his wife. This I know. This is not news. Connor has Connor Pawarski, he has been supportive of Michelle. Uh, since day one. Um, they are obviously a very strong unit. They have a beautiful family. God bless them. Um, but I don't want to really talk about Connor because he does defend his wife, but then he steps back. So he he steps forward and he defends her when he believes it's necessary. But he's not someone who's looking to carve out a place for himself in the limelight. He's happy doing what he's doing, and I respect that. Now, if he were a public figure himself, then I might say something, but he's not. So, you know, I I don't have anything to say. Like, if he makes a public statement, I, I might comment on that, but that's where it begins and ends. And certainly, Michelle, her, her children, I'm, I'm not—what am I going to say about them? They're, they're not even tweens. It's— I mean, the point is, is that all of this commotion around Michelle Wu, it's, I find it kind of pathetic. So let me give you uh, another example of someone who I just find absolutely ridiculous. So he is a businessman in East Boston, and he no longer lives in Boston. He now lives in the neighboring municipality of Revere. So, doesn't live in Boston anymore and doesn't vote here. But of course, one can understand if he's still very engaged with what happens in Boston because he has a, at least one business in Boston. And again, he's from Boston. So, okay, sure. But his criticism of Wu, it's actually not criticism. It's what comes out of his mouth, it's vitriol. And as far as I know, no, I'm going to scratch that. I know that he didn't help out anyone in the mayoral, last mayoral race. He didn't do anything. Maybe he cut someone a check, but I quite honestly, I doubt he even did that. 
And this is someone, by the way, that when I was running for office, he reached out to me because he was holding a rally, you know, a back the blue rally, and he wanted me to attend. Oh, I know you're busy, but, you know, um, I'd be honored if you could attend my rally. Well, of course, because here I was running for Congress, and if he could have a candidate running for Congress against Diana Presley, which, you know, you run against Diana Presley, that's news, because Diana's news, right? So even though it was, you know, I I pretty much ran under a media blackout, you know, a lot of people, the average Joe, there were enough people who knew who I was. There were. <laughs> they didn't vote for me. <laughs> they could not be bothered to write my name in, but they they knew who I was. And so, you know, it made him look like a big shot. You know, and as it was, I was already planning to go and I actually was planning to speak, which of course he didn't know. Clearly, but whatever, that's <laughs> that's another story. That's neither here nor there. Uh ultimately because my point is you know, he reached out to me, very deferential, said, I'm behind you a thousand percent for this seat. Let me know anything that I can do. You know what he did for me? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I didn't even receive $3 from this guy. He never asked me if he, if he could hold a sign. Never uh, said, well, you know, I have friends here, here, and here, and I talked to them about you, nothing. I mean, when I say he did absolutely nothing, I mean he did absolutely nothing. He didn't even share, to my knowledge, he didn't even share a single post of mine on social media. But he was behind me a thousand percent, please. And this is the same person who, again, he did not... You know, he he didn't do anything during the race, the mayoral race. He didn't do anything. He, you know, like I said, I sincerely doubt he opened up his checkbook. I don't think he held any signs. I mean, he just, he didn't do anything. Nothing at all. And it's just really incredible to me that someone who, didn't do anything during this race would have so much to say about Michelle's performance now. So I want to talk about the latest reason for this man and so many others who are equally useless, to be quite honest, the latest reason for their fury toward Michelle Wu. So Michelle Wu, uh, you know, this information was obtained. She had put together a list of people and it was, you know, given to the police. And people have, you know, accused her of engaging in Nixonian tactics. Even the Massachusetts Republican Party has weighed in. 
and has talked about how, you know, there's a need for safety. I'm paraphrasing um, as to what the, the mass GOP said. But, you know, there's a need for safety. But when you start keeping lists of your enemies, you know, the idea is that you're talking about totalitarianism. And, you know, so I'm I'm paraphrasing. And I just, I said, you know what? <clears throat> People, it, it's amazing to me how people now, not only can they not perform their civic duty, they can't be civically engaged, but they can complain and post on social media for, for thunderous applause. Um, but these people, they can't even think. And so, um, according to the Boston Herald, so one of the city's uh, two dailies, uh, there were about, I would say, 15 names on the list. Now, I need to impress upon people. I mean, I, I agree. I, I am very supportive of the mass GOP, the, the current leadership. I'm very supportive because I want to see it succeed. And for people who have a problem with that, I've already said that I have been supportive of Jim Lyons and I gave him a chance. I did give him a chance. I was fair. And then he turned around and he ran the the, the party into the ground. And what he did to Amori... (laughs) was absolutely nothing compared to what he did to me. What he did to me was easily 30, 40 times worse than what he did to Anthony and Warry. So, But I gave Jim Lyons a chance. So now I'm going to give Amy Carnavali a chance. That's how it works. I'm fair. But I have to very respectfully disagree with the party's take. The people on this list are problematic. At best. And this is where the second part, um, the second topic I wanted to get into on the Tonight Show, and I have, you know, alluded to it here and there. It's this idea where, you know, you have people who may do something, but they don't do it and they're well informed. And so you have people, and then and there's, and there's also the idea that people are going to believe what they want to believe. And so if the loudest voices are saying X, Y, and Z, then people are going to believe, a lot of people are going to choose to believe X, Y, and Z. If the loudest voices in the room are saying 2 plus 2 is 7, then a lot of people are going to choose to believe that 2 plus 2 is 7. And it's really that simple, and it's really that sad and pathetic and pitiful. It really, truly is. But the names on this list, you have people like Catherine Vitale. Catherine is running for the Boston City Council. She's running for one of the four at-large seats. Now, if you take Catherine seriously, more fool you. She, it's one thing to protest, more power to her or anyone else who want. I mean, people have that right. They have the right to assembly. They have the right, uh, you know, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. We we have this. You know, the, these 
these rights in the First Amendment, these are so pre- they are primordial. It's it's baked into the very essence of what it is to be American. So I don't have a problem with Catherine Vitale protesting anyone. I do have a problem if Catherine Vitale is, however, going to harass people and then call that protesting. Going to a residential neighborhood where the houses are close together, an urban residential neighborhood at stupid o'clock in the morning, you know, a time when most people are trying to get ready, they're just getting up, they're just starting to stir, and yelling at Michelle Wu through a megaphone and banging on pots and pans, that is profoundly ignorant. And I just, I don't see an end game. And, And not once... Did Catherine have a strategy or a plan? And as we've seen over time, this supposed ire at Michelle for having hurt so many different people with her policies and her her unwillingness to listen, at the end of the day, we're starting to see, at least I think people should start, uh, they should start to be able to see this, Catherine is only concerned about how whatever Michelle Wu has said and done, how it's affected her to hack with everybody else. And the problem with Catherine Vitale, so one of the people on this list, along with some other protesters who are also running for office, you have uh, Sean Nelson, who is running for uh, also an at-large seat, and you have Padma Scott, who another protester who is running for the District 7 seat on, on the Boston City Council. The problem with these people is that they make legitimate criticism of Michelle Wu difficult now because they have gone, it, this isn't even over the top. They've just, they have made Sean and, and Catherine more so than Padma, but they have, they've shown up at events, they've been disruptive, they've got into physical confrontations. There was, in fact, one physical confrontation where Sean was bloodied. It's just, there's a video of him assaulting a woman that is much smaller than him. And in you know, if you if you saw Sean Nelson, he's actually a big guy. He's not he's not short, tiny, slighter figure. No, he's he's a big guy and he's solidly built. All right, so you already have that. You already have that. Um, you have a situation where, um, you know, you have. Um, People being disruptive isn't even the word. Um, They're being, their behavior is erratic. Their behavior is potentially dangerous. Because when you have people who follow people, because they do that too, following people and... And harassing them and, and yelling things at them and banging on pots and pans. I mean, this is not good. This is not good. So you have that. You have—oh, and, and let me also add about Catherine. 
she, <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. And I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing to keep from crying. She believes that the government is stealing babies for the benefit of Lady Gaga to consume <laughs> parts of them to, you know, it's, it, you know, harvesting children, harvesting babies. It's, it's, it's grisly. It's unbelievably macabre. It's, it's sick. It's, 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 it's concerning at the very, very least. So you have people who, quite frankly, are loose cannons that are unbalanced that are on this list. You have another name on this list, Patrick Mendoza. There was recently an incident in the North End, and he allegedly shot, tried to shoot at someone with whom he has a long-running feud. So now, in addition to one or two other charges, he is wanted for assault to murder. And the police are now looking for him. These are just four of the names that are on the list. Okay, so this isn't a list of people who are not picking up what Michelle Wu is putting down. These are people who are potentially dangerous. Again, including someone who is wanted for assault to murder and who is now on the run. And the way Michelle should have phrased it is, these people, I have concerns based on their past behavior. I have concerns that they're a threat not only to me, City Hall employees, but also my constituents, my fellow Bostonians. Michelle, though, unfortunately, she allowed the people on the list and people who are defending the people on the list, people like Boston City Councilor Erin Murphy, she allowed these people to, to, to create the narrative, and she's going to have to take it back and say, look, this is about people who pose an immediate and or a long-term threat, our eventual threat, to the city of Boston. That's all I have time for tonight, though. But it's, you know, the idea I want you to take away, this idea of people not being civically engaged or they do something, but they don't do it informed or they don't think for themselves. So on that less than positive note, um, I'll say goodbye. And I look forward to giving you uh, a new perspective, fresh content, not next week, but two weeks from now. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm going to say bye for now. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.